Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, presented by Big O Tires. It's Tuesday, December 31st. On the final day of the 2010s, or whatever we call this decade, star columnists Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian joined me, Blair Kirkhoff, to discuss what I believe was the most common thread throughout the teams that we cover, coaching success and stability. There wasn't much turnover because mostly their teams won. Think about it. Folks like Andy Reid, Ned Yost, Peter Vermees, Bill Self, Bill Snyder, Gary Pinkle, and most were here during the entire decade. Three of them have retired, and I wonder how long Reid, Vermees, and Self will be with their teams. After a break, Sam Vahe and I offer predictions for the 2020s. We talk Super Bowls, World Cup soccer, the next KU basketball coach, and the prospects for a downtown baseball stadium. I hope you enjoy the final Sportsbeat KC podcast of the decade. Sam and Vahe are here, and we spent so much time talking about the big stories of this decade that we didn't have time to squeeze in some of the bigger personalities and some predictions for 2020. So we thought we would do 2020 decade. So we thought we would do that today. So what I'm going to do is run down the names of some uh, some coaching figures. Uh, that made an impact on the Kansas City sports scene in the previous decade, and I want uh, I want you guys, Sam and Vahe, to just give me a little uh, just a little thought on on each of these each of these coaches. And I hope I'm, I'm not omitting anyone, but I'm th- I think we've got the um, uh, um, some of the the leaders of the pack, if if you will. So let's start with this. Um, let's start with. Let's start with uh, Peter Vermees, uh, head coach of Sporting Kansas City, won the MLS Cup in 2013, won a couple of U.S. Open Cups, the Lamar Hunt, I don't know if they call it the Cup or the Trophy, but Lamar Hunt's name is on on that. Um, I would say that because he's been the head coach of his team longer than Andy Reid has been the head coach of the Chiefs, um, the most consistent winner among professional sports teams in Kansas City and quite an impact on professional soccer in this town. Transformational, um, I think, you know, and, and not just with, you know, uh, the Wizards, uh, <laughs> you know, going from the Wizards in Community America Ballpark. Let's say the starting with the Wiz. Oh, the Wiz, yes. And exactly. then the Wizards. <laughs> yeah, players using the portage on, you know, like at, at halftime and there's a pitching mound in the middle of the field. Um, to, you know, just a gorgeous soccer-specific, you know, model for the rest of the league stadium. But, um, you know, he's done a lot of great work, too, at, at the youth level. And um, some of that is self-serving, right? Um, if if soccer is a big deal. Heck, yeah, it is. You know, in De- Kansas City. Go develop yeah. players, yeah. you know? Yeah, you, you develop players. And also, if if your kids are really into soccer, um you know, if, if the profile of soccer is lifted, that's good for sporting Kansas City's business. You know, I mean, th- there's some self-interested words there, but you made a positive impact, you know, of, of you know, getting kids involved and, and all that. And, um, you know, look, just came off a really disappointing season, um, but more and more, it looks like that might be a fluke. You know, like they just made a really big signing, <laughs> uh, you know, signed the, the leading score from, from Liga MX, uh, you know, which is rare for any MLS team, let alone one that, that, you know, certainly hasn't been spending the way that, like the LA Galaxy, for instance, or whatever. But uh, you know, just an absolutely transformative, consistent presence, uh, incredibly detailed-oriented, uh, all-encompassing leader. 
he is sporting KC as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because there's some certainly other recognizable forces with sporting KC, but it, is he not really still kind of the face of it in I a lot think of ways? He is. Yeah, and I mean, look, I, I think that that uh, you know Neil Patterson and Cliff Illig and and, and that group deserve some of the credit. I mean, they they put the money and they took a big risk. That was a big swing to. Um, <laughs> with taxpayer money, right? Uh, a lot of it, but, um, you know, they, they had a vision of what soccer could be, uh, but it's Peter that has executed that. Yeah. And you look at things like, you know, the, the facility, the pinnacle, uh, is that what it's called? So yeah. the pinnacle and things like that, it's an international draw. Um, and it could be part of, I mean, Peter's only got one role in this, but, but all of that could be part of something that, that, gives Kansas City a chance to be on the map in an entirely new way with the World Cup. And yeah. it starts kind of with the vision that comes from that success that that whole group has formed. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, the next coach we're going to talk about is Bill Snyder. Uh, Bill Snyder 2 was the last yeah. decade, right? Bill Snyder 1 was the 90s and the 2000s. And, um, and then Bill Snyder retired after the 05 season, sat out for three years, returned in 2009, and kind of picked up where he left off. It was amazing. I mean, it's, I don't know if people forget about this, but I don't hear it talked about as much. Um, it, the end of Bill Snyder one was such that there were a lot of K-State fans that was, you know, good. Time for you to go. Time for us to update. And when he came back, I, I'll admit, I was skeptical, you know, because I, I thought he was too old. Yeah, I, I was part of that, you know. Um, and then for him to... You know, sort of drag. If you just look at the wins and losses under Ron Prince, it doesn't look that bad. Uh, but I think we all know that there was some, like, some infrastructure problem, and there was just some long-term stability problems that that were starting to creep up and and were and were mounting. And for him to come back and not just save it and calm the waters, um, as as he often put it, but to push them within was it two wins of the national championship game in in two thousand and twelve twelve with mm-hmm. you know the Colin Klein game. Uh, you know, they, they lost that game. They really got blown out. I was at that game in, in, Baylor, in Waco. Right? Yep. Um, but, you know, they, they were two – Kansas State uh, was two wins away from the national championship game and, you know, put them back to, you know, consistent bowl presence and, and you know, um, stepped away now. And I think most K-State fans would think that was about the right time. And it sure looks – and we don't know, but it sure looks like they got the replacement right this time. I, I was like like Sam, totally skeptical when he came back, and marvelled anew that he could do that again. Um, right about this time a year ago, or a little bit uh, earlier, I think we all sort of felt this way, and maybe we all wrote some version of it. But I wrote something about that it was. I thought it was time for him to to either step down or be moved out. And the reason really was you could sort of feel things diminishing and and just a hiccup in the whole process. But I wanted his legacy to be what it deserved to be and not, not further diminished by what seemed to me to be a, a downward trajectory. Yeah. And so I'm glad he, I'm glad he was out after last year, not because I wished him any you know, harm or any, any ill will, but I just thought need to make the change. And um, I think in some ways what Chris Kleiman did this year, you know, sort of further reiterates that it was time for the change because it wasn't like it a whole roster makeover. Right. Um, and, and, you know, quarterback was a place where you saw a huge difference and the same guy. Yep. All-time lists of, of greatest college football coaches, you know, if you, whatever it is, whatever number, Mount Rushmore or even or a top ten list, probably won't include Bill Snyder. I think any list should include Bill Snyder. Even though he didn't win a national championship and he only won a couple of conference titles, 
what he accomplished in his tenure at Kansas State, and to do it twice, it's, it's, twice. Un, it's unparalleled. Right. It's yeah. unparalleled in, yeah. in, in college football history. I always remember Gary Barnett, you know, he had quite a rebuild at Northwest and Northwestern, and he would always say, nobody's ever done anything like Bill Snyder did. And that was That's well said, yeah. by documented numbers, the worst program in college football history, right? One bowl game and whatever the total wins were at the time. I mean, he just to use the term transformational earlier with Peter Vermees. I'd say that it certainly applied to Bill Snyder. Yeah, there, there's two little anecdotes that stick out about him too. And, and one is, um, he told me this in, in a story that we did in 2012. And I, I asked Tim Fitzgerald, you know, our friend at PowerCat, and he said he'd never heard it before, but, um, you know, that, that part of why he took the job was he, he interviewed for it on a snowy day in December of 19, would it be 89 or 88, 88. whatever, 88. Um, 89 was his first season, right? Um, and uh, part of the reason he took the job is he just started walking around campus and just asking random people about K-State and about the campus. And he said they were all nice and they were all like generous Ooh. and he could feel like a certain spirit. And, and that's part of why he took the job. And he, he always talked about that, the people, you know, it's the people. He always said that, the people, the people, uh, the people. I will always remember that, you know, uh, about Bill Snyder. And John Weefall would always say he was the, what, 47th choice? <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, and, and, and another one. Oh, yeah, so um, you had another. Um, he said... Uh, um, the, the the futility you right uh, the Sports, Sports Illustrated, Illustrated story, story. Uh, you know the college football's worst program um, and Bill Snyder said uh, you can do this story if you promise to come back when we fix it <laughs> and they did come yeah. back yeah 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 well I know we're talking about the decade but um, Barry Switzer said he was the coach of the 20th century as far as Ooh. Switzer was concerned yeah. okay uh, next coach Gary Pinkle now I know that this is a full, we're talking about the full decade, and, and Gary retired after the 2015 season, but incredible impact on on Mizzou football, and and walked away for health reasons, not not because uh, not because Missouri had a losing season in his final year, but Vahe, it was it was terrific to see Gary just last week yeah. at um, at the introduction for uh, Eli Drinkwitz, and he look he looks great. And, and he had some more health issues earlier this year, but they were addressed promptly. And, and uh, I think as long as they stay on top of things, he'll, he, he expects that he'll be fine. Um, but he's very active still. And, and uh, I think, you know, it was a tough way for it to end, that Missouri, with all the conflict going on that year. But I don't think that in any way has, uh, you know, diminished what, what he meant to Missouri. Um, He's the only guy, you know, Dan Devine left in 1970 to go coach the Packers. So six of the seven coaches since then have been fired. Um, and, and Gary Pinkle, you know, it was, I guess it was five double-digit wins in eight years. Got Missouri to a number one ranking. It's only victory over a number one program. It was the BCS number one, Oklahoma. Um, and and, and the, the big surprise to me in the Pinkle era was, was in the 2010s. It was the, the two division wins in the SEC after they had a rough start in their first SEC season. After winning two in the Big 12 in the, in the previous decade. Yeah. So, that, I mean, for Missouri to um, continue its, its success, because they, they were peaking pretty much in the, as a Big 12 program at the, when Missouri left the Big 12 for the SEC. That was a hell of a moment. Um, you know, just sort of a, um, a institutional self-esteem kind of the, you know, there, there, I feel there, there was a feeling of we're in the SEC, you know, these circumstances kind of pushed us to this decision, but can we really compete with 
SEC schools and SEC money. And I, I, I feel like when, when that happened, it's like, hell yeah. You know, uh, it's one thing to hope or think it can happen, but now to see it in real time with your own eyes and, you know, playing for SEC titles, I mean, I, I think that that changed certainly the trajectory of, of how we talk about Mizzou going to the SEC. So I think it, even after yeah. that, it was, I'm sorry, but no. after that, it was hard for, you know, even people that are sort of bitter about how the breakup happened. It becomes much harder to make the case that Mizzou made a mistake after that. But it is interesting, and, and again, Blair and I had a long time in the car back and forth to Columbia the other day while, while you were trailing us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we, got, we were talking about some of these things. It is interesting that, that probably the bulk, at least the momentum of that, that team, the bulk of its recruiting probably was Big 12-based. Yeah. So yeah. now it's doing it within the cycle yep. of the SEC context. Yep. It, it'll just be interesting to see when it takes next, Absolutely. especially now with another new coach. Yep. All right, let's stay with the colleges. And in terms of championships won, uh, nobody has more than, than Bill Self. <laughs> yeah. right? um, With an insurmountable lead. <laughs> a certain mastery of what? the craft. <laughs> Nine out of ten. Yeah. Um, um, what do you think? His is a little bit more complicated, right? Uh, he didn't build up <laughs> the way that Bill Snyder did, you know? Uh, but, you know, 14, I guess, the, the streak is going to – stop for now at least at, at 14 that that kind of um, sustained success in college basketball a sport that is really kind of built for volatility in programs and and I know that Kansas has a huge advantage like historically and with money and facilities um, and it's it's really easy to bring a recruit in for for a game and and show them this energy and all that stuff uh, but North Carolina has those same advantages, and they've had down years. Kentucky has missed the tournament. Um, you know, Duke has you know had some down years. So uh, to be able to do it that consistently, I think is is kind of the remarkable thing about Bill. I mean, you know, we don't know exactly how this FBI thing is going to turn out. I mean, that's certainly going to affect his legacy as well as like if and when he goes to the NBA and the timing of all that. Uh, but you know, that consistency. You know, I don't think it would be surprising if that's not matched in a major conference for the rest of our lifetimes of the the, the conference titles. It, it, beyond that, they're always. It's we we're talking on, on another podcast about you know the Royals have to choose sort of between whether they're going to be at a at sort of consistent ability to to compete mm -hmm. or they're going to have these peaks and valleys. Mm -hmm. Kansas competes at a level that is at a peak. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. consistently at a peak. But, yeah. but only the one national title under Bill, and mm -hmm. and I think I think this team's capable of that for sure. And I I think it would sort of embellish his resume in a different way to have another one. Yeah, yeah, um, and and again, like with the FBI stuff, the context of that, <laughs> all right, that'd be for people like us. You know, that is good hashtag content, right? <laughs> and and one other thing about the, the conference house, it's it's sometimes it's. Not dismissed is the wrong word, but sometimes it's it's diminished by some with the idea of, of you know the lack of you know just one national title and it's the Big Twelve and not the ACC. But I've always believed this. And I'm curious what you guys you, you've covered college sports longer than I have. That um, I don't think that Kansas could have won 14 straight titles in the ACC, um, or you know. But I also don't think that Kentucky, Duke, or North Carolina could have won 14 in the Big Twelve. I like I think that. Both of those I like that analogy. I think both are true. I don't know, Blair. If you no, agree, I, but. I, I agree. I, I think, especially since the Big Twelve went became a ten-team league, and you had uh -huh. to play everybody on the road, yeah. 
in, in your conference. The, when the 14-year streak started with the division play, so there were some years where Kansas you know, didn't play South teams twice. And mm-hmm. you know, the Kevin Durant Texas team, for instance, <laughs> and you only, only had to see them once. Some of Kelvin Sampson's great Oklahoma teams, Kansas only got to play them, you know, yeah. see them once during the regular season. So that in the early years, that made it easy. I think the impressive part of, of the Kansas streak is what happened after it became a 10 team yeah. league. Only had to see Kevin Durant for a half, too, right? Didn't <laughs> no, he, get, no he, he played. Didn't he, get hurt? He, he, he got hurt. He was hurt and played through the second half. But he got hurt. Early. He did. He yeah, was in the hit, second hit, half. Yeah. At 25 in the first half yeah. at Allen Fieldhouse. <laughs> I think that is one of the most badass things I've ever because you, you remember the, there, that was the time where there was a, kind of a big talk about, you know, Scott Drew always took his team off the floor when they, when they yeah. played the video. And there was, that, that was like a thing. And you remember like Kevin Durant, you know, before that game, Rick Barnes was saying something. In well, he's got, no, he's got, the, like, he's got the whole team in the huddle. They're all paying attention yeah. except Durant turned around <laughs> looking at the video, kind of appreciating yeah, it. I just thought like, like, that was yeah. really cool. Oh, that's cool. Like here, here's 25. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's just, that's right. Here's that what I is, got for you. It's pretty sweet, man. <laughs> right. That was still one of the, uh, kind of the great games in Allen Fieldhouse yeah. um, over the decade. So, okay, let's, um, Let's. Uh, we never do lightning round the way you're supposed to, but that, that's, <laughs> but that's all right. Lightning storm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, the next two coaches in the final two, kind of, we're on a first name basis with them, aren't we? Yeah. Ned. Ned. I mean, did did we think it was going to work when in 2010 when Ned became the manager? Uh, I my my overwhelming feeling at that point was. Um, I know the other guy's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't working now. <laughs> you know? So um, I, I remember thinking that, like, it, it made sense to me, like, Ned was a good fit for that job, you know, that uh, he had been part of, you know, Atlanta, obviously, and, and then had been the manager when they built up in Milwaukee. And, you know, getting fired in the middle of a pennant race is something that, even with a World Series championship, Stunning. is probably going to hang on Ned. Yeah. Um, but I also remember talking to people involved with the Brewers at that time and, um, you know, they regretted it. You know, that, that was an owner dictated decision. You're going to fire this guy or I'm going to fire both of you. And, you know, and, and Ned still had the bulk of that experience. And, and I also believe in, you know, sort of the value of being pissed off and the value of, of, of wanting to prove people wrong. And I think that was part of it too. And look, like, I don't think Ned, I I think the value of managers is vastly overrated. I've, I've, I've said that probably too many times. Uh, but, I do think that he was the right guy, proved to be. I mean, how could you argue against it? But, you know, was the right guy for that time because um, he had a lot of weaknesses, uh, but he had an incredible strength of, of just believing in a group. And that group, I think, to overcome the Royals' more recent history, needed somebody to believe in them. And, and he was there for them consistently every freaking day. He did have gaps in his game. Um, you know, just strategically, especially mm-hmm. before we kind of paid attention and brought in, you know, some new guys who we'd listen to more, right? Before he started taking advice. Yeah. Basically. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a stubborn guy. And, and, but sometimes stubborn is, there's a fine line between that and a guy who stayed the course in the right ways. And he made a difference in that clubhouse. I, I think with the example I can give off the top of my head is like Moustakis he gets sent down in 14. Mustakas always talked about how he left there knowing that he was loved, knowing they wanted him back, knowing this was temporary, and that Ned hugging him up. And I think I learned through some of this process that 
the job is more than not just that one aspect of how you pull the levers in the game, right? Mm -hmm. It's about how you affect the team. And um, there was a lot of, lot of thought for a while that they won despite him. I, I don't think that's true. I think they won with him. I don't know that they won because of him. I mean, there's some, somewhere in that mix mm -hmm. is there. And I will say also, I, I think we all came to feel this way. He could be kind of surly and cranky, but generally speaking, you kind of got his vibe and understood his sense of humor. I enjoyed dealing with and him. It, I thought he was, was funny. He, he was, was funny. Yeah. And, and he really got funny after they won that uh, A's game, right? I mean, he just, it was just Ned. Yeah. Ned That changed him, boy. Unfiltered after <laughs> yeah, that. And, that and changed him. Funny, always funny, really. It just Sometimes he had a little, little too much of an edge with some people. Yeah. I don't think we ever really bore the brunt of that. Maybe you did one time. I think I you called few, him dumb another time. Yeah, I had you? a few yeah. run-ins with Ned. Like we, we'd have arguments, but he he was always um, like I felt like you know there was one sort of disagreement that we had that lasted a few weeks or maybe a few months or whatever. But for the most part, I think like you know you deal with it and then the next day it's fine. And and even the longer one that we had, it's it's long been fine since. I'll also say this: like I he is almost fundamentally stubborn. Um, in so many ways, but he made a, a, maybe it's subtle, but it's a very clear shift. He grew up very old school. Um, he came from Ted Simmons, you know, that that's sort of who he grew up. You know, that's how he learned baseball. Like just, and Ted Simmons might be the def, just put it into the hall of fame, right? Uh, might be the definition of sort of old school tough. And this is how we're going to do it. And, and that's how Ned had always been until he got to Kansas city. And he made a, a conscious, and he had to teach himself how to do this, just an effort to loosen up yeah. in the clubhouse. Yeah. And you know what? It's okay if they play music before. And it's okay if they hit a double and do hand signals to their team. You know, like just little things. Like it's okay if our, our catcher makes this thing of, of you know, dumping nice. water or Gatorade or whatever on, on a guy in the postgame interview. And I, I don't think that's something that Ned would have gone for in Atlanta or Milwaukee. Um, but I think he, he taught himself to accept that. And that became almost just a definition, you know, just, just such an irreplaceable, just a part of who that Royals group was, yeah, is yeah. that kind of swagger. My two thoughts on Ned, um, I mean, you guys, you guys were terrific on this, but um, I don't think people realize that in, during a baseball season, a manager holds four press conferences a day. <laughs> yeah. The tech press conference is probably not the right word, but talks to the media four times a Answers day. Answers questions. Answers questions yep. four times a day. Andy Reid does it, what, three times a week? <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe four if you count the visiting media press conference. Ned Yost, our baseball manager, does it four times a day for 162 days during the regular season, not to mention you know, exhibition baseball where he you know, has to do similar work. And I don't... My my earliest thoughts on Ned were he, this man is ill-equipped for this type <laughs> of duty, but he figured out he found a rhythm and a pace for it, and um, and I thought you know the, the the longer I was out there, more often I was out there the I don't know the, the easier it became to communicate with him because you you you, you, you knew what he was about. And you knew when to laugh. You knew when to, you know, to pay attention, <laughs> and sometimes even go off the record with with Ned. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I, I enjoyed I, I enjoyed that immensely. The other thing is, for managers who have um, 
participated, I think the, the number's 25, minimum of 25 postseason games. Ned has the all-time <laughs> highest winning percentage. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Yep. He's got an under 500 record as a manager all-time, but nobody— When it be, counts. <laughs> when it counts the most. He was great. No one's going to be able to take that away from him no, either. Yeah. It's, he was great. You know, quick aside on, on the, your point, Blair. One thing with Ned, with asking him questions, was you, you learn— as you do with some relationships, you just have to uh, sustain the first blow, right? When he, <laughs> That's a great way so of putting he's, it. He's going to give you some kind of guff at the start. Then you just kind of hang in the pocket, and then, then he's going to give you the real answer. And, of course, the joke we've always made is the contrast between Ned and Patrick, who answers every question starting with the word yeah, and Ned answering every question with the word no. No. <laughs> and then giving you a good answer usually. Yep, yep. I'm not going to find it. Sorry. I, on my phone, I have a quote from him uh, just from this last season about being superstitious. And it, it was during oh, I know this quote. Whit Merrifield's like, hitting streak. And it was like, I, I'm, I'm going to stop looking for it. But it's something like, I don't believe I'm the least superstitious person that you know. Superstition is stupid. Superstition is for losing. Now I'm exaggerating to prove a point. But he's like, but, you know, if somebody's got a no-hitter... Uh, <laughs> I won't have he just completely in mid-sentence turn off like if somebody has a no-hitter, he won't mention or look at the scoreboard because then the next thing you know he's gonna give it up. That's that perfect. Is just beautiful, Ned. I'll miss him. Oh, man. Same. Um all right, we just mentioned um, a little while ago the 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 final kind of coaching figure of this decade that we'll spend some time on is Andy Reid. Um 14 years in Philadelphia, one Super Bowl, uh, I want to say 10 playoff seasons, at nine or 10 playoff seasons there. Um, in Kansas City, seven years, he's been in the, he will have been in the playoffs six times, double-digit victory seasons in six of the seven years. The one that wasn't was a nine and seven uh, team in his, in his second year in KC. By all measures, um, except a little one, um, <laughs> a... You know, a resounding success in Kansas City. And you, I, we mentioned this on a podcast earlier, how, um, you know, what a, what a fortunate turn of events it was for the Chiefs organization to be able to land Andy Reid when he had other options after being, you know, ushered out of, of Philly. It's been, it's been wonderful during the regular season with Andy Reid. It, it has, and, and look, just start with the regular season um, from the very first one, from two and fourteen to eleven and five. I don't remember offhand. You might remember offhand what the greatest turnarounds regular season wise in NFL history were, but it, it's hard to top that. There probably is something else. I think the Dolphins went one and fifteen one year, and then went eleven and five. Yeah, something like yeah. that. So Tony Sperano's team. But look, when but we know also and you guys know better than than I do cuz I wasn't here yet but that wasn't just a 2 and 14 team that was a disaster of an organization at at that point i mean maybe not at the very top but the very top wasn't doing enough about it at the second to top level and so yeah. it needed to be rooted out and started over and that that's a big job that's a big job and 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 they did it that's and me oh. it wasn't just a fluke that's all it was it was no no fluke it was the start of something sustained and uh, that to me is like Andy's greatest magic trick. We, we talk a lot about like play design and, you know, these guys in motion and shovel passes and all that stuff. Hungry pig left. Yeah. Yeah. Hungry pig. Right. Right. Sorry. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, that's kind of the sizzle, but the substance is, 
you know, this unshakable leader. Um, he, he is so damn steady, um, so damn steady. And in 2012, there was just broken relationships everywhere, including, and I'm specifically thinking of between players and the coaches and players and the front office. Like there, there were players in that locker room that believed they were being purposefully misused so that the team would have an advantage in their contract negotiation. I mean, that, that's how little trust wow. there was. You, and and th there was you know, such incompetence that you had, you know, Todd Haley kind of famously telling, was it Brian Waters? You know, um, you know, I can get guys off the street and go two and 14 because they had gone two and 14 the year before, you know, Pioli and, and Haley came in. And it turns out <laughs> <laughs> two and 14 got, <laughs> got, got, got them run out of town. So anyway, I'm saying all that to, to sort of like repaint the picture of, of sort of what Andy walked into. And, and the turnaround was immediate. And I, it, was, it was incredible to see, uh, you know, how little belief and trust they had and then how much belief and trust they had. And it was really almost right away. And um, that to me, I'll, I'll just never, he can win a Super Bowl or three or whatever, um, but that, that to me is going to be one of his greatest accomplishments. That team started 9-0. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a nine and zero start. Yeah, and I remember uh, the ninth win was in Buffalo that year. Um, a game they had no business winning. Sean no, Smith, they got, they got uh, long flatly outplayed. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I remember saying something like, in some question I mentioned to Dwayne Bow, uh, you know that you know people were calling you the worst nine and zero team, you know, in football history or whatever. And he was like, as far as I know, we're the only nine and zero team. <laughs> like, that's, that's a pretty good answer. <laughs> you know, that's that's a pretty good answer. There's all these things, right? You mentioned a couple of them. I, I, I'll add to it Andy Reid after buys. You know? Yeah. Andy Reid against the AFC West. Mm -hmm. You know, he's That's just, unreal, really. Really. Just this, 26 and 3 now? Yeah. Yeah, with, with, yeah. Yeah, with one, one to, go, to go. Right? And, 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 it, started with, and it started with yeah. a loss. You know, we say 26 and 3 since 2015, 2015 yeah. and it started with a loss to the Broncos at, at Arrowhead. So. It, it feels sustainable, too, in a way that, you know, the, the Chiefs, this is their fifth straight postseason, right? Correct. And, and they made six straight. In the beginning of the, of the, you know, 90s. the, the early '90s, uh, but this feels, at least in the moment, sustainable in a way that that didn't. That you know, it felt like part of the reason that Marty Schottenheimer, you know, part of the reason that his time as coach in Kansas City ended is like, I think he saw the ending coming, and and that thing was just gonna crater. And this, if, if they had to hire a new coach, if Andy Reid just woke up tomorrow and said, "I want to go to the beach or whatever," like the next coach would be walking into a beautiful situation of sustainability of, of, you know, they've got young players. I mean, and look, the quarterback is the most important thing and he's 24 years old. Which is what the old. nineties teams didn't have. Yes. But there, there also seems to be a, a foundation of, of just guys in that locker room and just sort of a, an expectation and belief system that I think is sustainable going forward. I mean, especially right now, and look, maybe Drew Locke's going to turn into a star. Maybe John Gruden gets it going in Oakland or, or Las Vegas or whatever. But, um, it's hard to imagine the Chiefs not winning the AFC West next year <laughs> and probably the year after that. You know I mean? The, the further you go, the, the less certain you can be. But there's just a sustainability right now that it's been a long time since the Chiefs have had that. I think Andy Reid will be in the Hall of Fame if he doesn't win a Super Bowl. I think he's reached enough of the, the, the thresholds of number of victories, conference champion, not conference, but division titles, that sort of thing, that puts him ahead of the Chuck Knoxes, Marty Schottenheimers, 
uh, guys that aren't in the Hall of Fame, but but yeah. uh, Super Bowl victory would almost maybe make him a first ballot Hall of Famer. Even yeah. if he gets in without it, that's what people say. You know, eh, he's a right. coach that got in. He didn't right. win a Super Bowl, but it only got uh, to one. Like Marv Levy's yeah. in, but he got to four yeah. in yeah. a row. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What? Why? This is a funny way to frame this, maybe, but what is it? That should keep Andy from winning a Super Bowl. I mean, what is is there? I, I don't believe there is a fatal flaw. I know my Philadelphia friends always will talk about there's going to be some botched time management thing. That's really a scar from a couple games. There's been other moments, but mm-hmm. it's not really like Andy just doesn't know what the clock is. I mean, it, it, it. I'm sure he can work on all facets of his game, just like we can work on all facets of ours. But there's no fatal flaw here for Andy, is there? One thing you hear this year, maybe it is specific to this year, he doesn't keep his foot on the throat of an opponent when he gets a lead yeah. in the fourth quarter. Let's plays a little too conservative, especially this particular team without a great running game. Yeah, th- those are the two big picture criticisms, right? But, um, you know, and you can come up with ways like, but, you know, this year um, they got to score in the red zone. You know, they're, they're going to have mm-hmm. to score touchdowns in, in the playoffs. And, you know, that's part of that run game thing, mm-hmm. right? And um, they struggle against the run and, you know, there's a team that's likely to be the number one seed in the AFC that, that you know, can run the ball pretty well that the Chiefs also beat earlier in the season. But, you know, there, there's ways, but it, it does seem, you know, not necessarily this year, not necessarily next year, but maybe on both of those. But it does seem you got that coach and you got that quarterback and, you know, Tyreek Hill is going to be in his prime for a while. Travis Kelsey, you would think, has two, three, four, maybe five more years of being, you know, close to his peak. I mean, they, they got some studs on that team. That's a, It's a pretty good bet if you're, you know, in the next five years. I wonder what the Vegas odds would be. The Chiefs will win a Super Bowl, you know, in, in the next five years. I would think that you, the odds would be high or low. I mean, like the odds would be favorable <laughs> for, for favorable, the Chiefs winning. Yeah. Yeah. Tell you what, Peter Vermees, Bill Snyder, Gary Pinkle, Bill Self, Ned Yost, Andy Reid, we all talked about them. What a decade for consistency and you know excellence really without a ton of you know one parade and um a championship for peter vermees and sporting um an afc title game appearance for the chiefs but that i without having looked up previous decades i don't imagine there has been that much coaching stability at the high profile sports in kansas city i mean royals managers yost is the longest tenured royals manager um peter vermees easily you know, uh, uh, at Sporting, you know, Pinkle more than 10 years, Bill Snyder the whole decade in his second term. Um, gosh, you know, just we haven't we haven't had many. We all talk about how we hate coaching search stories. <laughs> we haven't had many of those. Yeah. You know, you one know. other twist on the uh, real quick is just if, I believe this is right. Was it 2014 calendar year was the first time the, the Royals and Chiefs had ever been. Yeah. Actually, it's 2015, right? Because didn't the Chiefs miss the playoffs in Andy's second year? That's right. Uh-huh. In the postseason in the same year. First time. I mean, think about that, what that says about this this intersection of, of and, yeah. energy, and our, and our right? small yeah. marketedness. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. Just off the top of my head, I feel like there was there was some consistency in the 90s, right? Um, well, ma- certainly Marty and Carl. Uh, yeah, with, with Schottenheimer, Snyder, um, Royals. The Royals. The Royals had a little bit of uh, yeah, a little bit of turnover. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot. There, there was one <laughs> miss right there. Um, and sporting like basically did not exist. Right, uh, right. You know, in, in, in some tangible ways. But but still, I think that there's probably more consistency now than there was even then. All right, guys, uh, good conversation, but we're not finished. We've got some predictions for you uh, as we close out whatever we're calling this decade and welcome the 2020s. We'll be back right after this. If your steering wheel has more traction than your actual tires, 
That's a big O no. Thankfully, for all your car's big O no's, there's always a big O yes. Now through February 2nd, buy three, get one free on select sets of four Aspen Touring AS or Mesa AP2 brand tires with paid installation purchase. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Disposal fees extra and up to 10% shop fee based on non-discounted regular retail price not to exceed $35 were permitted. See store for pricing. Eligibility may vary. Not valid with other offers. At participating locations, no cash value. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We are back with Vahe Gregorian, Sam Mellinger, and we are going to close the book on the 20 teens with some predictions going forward. First of all, gentlemen, I'm really looking forward to being with you uh, on this date in 2029 uh, to see if these <laughs> predictions <laughs> come true um, for the uh, for the podcast. So let's. Uh, I told you to think about them. Um, I've got a list of about three or four. So if we if, if you don't come up with the ones that I have, I'll I'll chime in last. So let's start with you, Vahe. Give me a prediction for the 2020s sports in Kansas City. Well, just to ride one of the hot the hot points here, Chiefs will win a Super Bowl by 2024. So in the next five years, because we know that people in Vegas are betting they'll win one in the next five years. <laughs> right? That's right. Yeah. Right. yeah. So I, but I, I believe they'll get to a Super Bowl more than I feel a sense that they'll win it. But I, I, I really believe they're Super Bowl bound in the next year or two. One thing in your favor is at least this year, they played the better teams in their schedule well. <laughs> yeah. You know, beating the Patriots and the Ravens, losing at home to the Colts. And, and Sam's made this point as recently as, as last week. Um, they're, they're, they're peaking, I think, in the stretch run here. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're the best they've been. Um, and I, I like what they can be with all these mechanisms working. Now, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't do anything for you on a snowy day in Baltimore in late January. I don't know. But, but I, I like where they are. Yours has the first chance to come true. If it happens, <laughs> yes. it'll happen on February second. Could That's... the first opportunity for a twenty twenty prediction to come true? Got, got a shot at that. Now, do you want do you want me to step back or hit you with a couple other quick ones? And then Let, well, let's circle okay. the table here. Okay, uh, I agree with that, um, and I would add that Patrick Mahomes will win uh, two MVPs in this decade. Okay, to to go with the one that he yeah. already has. Yeah. Okay, um, mine will be this city will be in Fuego in 2026 when the World Cup arrives. Yeah. And this will be, the Kansas City will be the smallest market to get a World Cup uh, uh, event, and we will, uh, we will revel in it. And it'll be, it'll be a joyous occasion, and I'm really looking forward to it. Fingers crossed that Kansas City gets this. I understand 2020 is the first time they would know that they – I think they're a finalist. Kansas City's a finalist, and 2020 is summer. 2020 is supposed to be the year that the the North American uh, final cities are 
are announced. Okay, you got another one, Vahe? Well, by 2029, Bill Self will no longer be the coach at Kansas. And what we don't know is, whoever successor is, does he have the ability to keep his foot on the gas? I mean, this era in Kansas basketball, I know it's been a little short on national titles, right? You'd like to see a couple more. But from Roy to Bill Self, I, I don't know what the just overall win percentage is, but it's got to be the highest in college basketball. Well, if, if you throw in Larry Brown, so the five years of Larry Brown, and Larry, of course, fif- yeah. 15 of Roy and 17 of Bill Self, it is. It's the, that, that 37, I think that's 37 years, it's the highest winning percentage, higher than Duke or Kentucky. Or Probably actually by a fair amount. Cause I, I don't, I don't know some, about maybe, a fair amount. Maybe but, Duke hasn't had too many down years, but Duke has had some lesser years. Only, only two NCAA titles in that. Stage, but only so. two, right? Yeah. yeah. So... Um, so I, I no real prediction other than it won't be Bill by 2029. That's a little bit in the safety zone here, right? <laughs> yeah, There's a lot of reasons why it might I, not be him by then. Yeah. But but I'm really interested to see whatever that day comes, who is next. Also, where Bill goes if if unless he just goes to retirement. Can I throw a prediction on a prediction? Heck yes. yeah! I think that'll happen sooner than 2029. Maybe by 2020. Is 2024 or over under for for things now? Wow. Uh, I I just feel like. He's wanted to go to the NBA, and and I think that the, um, you know, he just seems like a guy that's going to want to try that. Um, and and I don't know tangibly like anything, but he just seems like he would want to see what he could do, you know, at that level. Um, sort maybe ironically, I wonder if the FBI stuff keeps him, uh, because one thing about Bill is he. We talked about Ned, but Ned is. A third as stubborn as, <laughs> as Bill Self, and I, I think that he doesn't want to. He knows that if he goes to the NBA right now or after this season, a lot of people are going to see that as soft. And if there's one thing Bill Self doesn't like, <laughs> yeah. it's soft. Uh, so I just, ironically, I wonder if the FBI will keep him a little bit longer, keep him in, in Kansas uh, a little bit longer. Um, a new one, I believe that uh, when are the leases up? Uh, Truman Sports Complex. Uh, 31, 2031. Ooh. Ah, so I can't use no, it this but, decade. No, but, but wheels will we'll be know. in motion. Yes, we'll we know. will know that the Royals will be playing downtown. I think that's going to happen. And part of why I think it's going to happen, I think the Chiefs want it to happen. Um, and look, it's up to the Royals about what, you know, what they do and up to taxpayers, right? Um, but I think the Chiefs are certainly an influence, and I think that they might see some space <laughs> if Kauffman Stadium is torn down where they can build a new arrowhead and perhaps build, you know, some sort of, we just saw it in New England, um, you know, the Village. sort of, yeah. yeah, a movie theater, you mm-hmm. know, uh, yeah. you like, know, like grocery Cardinals have that too, right? The ballpark yeah, Village. Ballpark Village. Yeah. It's, it's less surrounded, right? Because it's all in downtown. Yeah. But, yeah. but this, this would speak to something Blair has brought up to me since the, the day I got here, really, we got talking about the, the oddity of the lack of development around crazy. Truman Sports Complex versus what's out at the Legends and, and yeah. It's just, it's crazy. It is crazy. Okay. I got nothing to add to that. Those are some good predictions. I like that. Anybody, you want to take a stab at who the next Kansas coach will be? I'd like to hear who you, who you project. It changes. I'll tell you what, it changes from season to season. Um, It's been Mark Turgeon before. It's Tad Boyle is sort of a, kind of the hot name now. I also think about Jacques Vaughn as a kind of an outlier one who's been an NBA head coach, uh, loved the university. So kind of a, that's my short list. We've seen mm-hmm. some of that. I mean, you know, um, Jawan Howard and yep. Jerry Stackhouse. And, uh, you for know, sure. we, we've seen, yeah, yep. Yep. it's interesting. Guys, I really enjoyed this. Thanks so much for hanging out. 
And we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Blair. Well, that'll do it for another decade, year, uh, month, week of Sportsbeat KC presented by Big O Tires. Links to the stories about the coaches we discussed can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Thanks to Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian for sharing their thoughts today and for being frequent guests on this show. Derek Donovan produced today's episode. Appreciate it, Derek. Oh, and if you're listening on a network that allows you to rate and review, please do that. It helps. Hey, it's New Year's Eve, and be safe if you're out celebrating tonight. And here's to a happy 2020 for everyone.